This podcast is sponsored by the Copywriter Underground. It's our new membership designed for you to help you attract more clients and hit 10K a month consistently. For more information or to sign up, go to thecopywriterunderground.com. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Kira and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 117 as we chat with copywriter Hannah Mang about how she became a copywriter, the importance of creating packages for clients to choose from, her career change from copywriter to business coach and mentor, and how speaking seven and a half languages influences her copy. Welcome, Hannah. Hi, guys. Great to have you here. I was telling you before we hit record that I've wanted to get you on the show for a while because I've I've watched you from afar and all your travels and stories through Instagram. So it's nice to finally have you here. Let's kick this off with your story. How did you end up as a copywriter? Oh, yeah, that's that's actually quite a funny <laughs> that story. Thing. I know, I know. <laughs> well, it was kind of random looking back, but actually it was really guided. So in 2013, I joined B-School. I'm sure most people know what that is. It's Marie Forleo's course on basically, you know, how to run an online business. And I did that without even having a business idea. So, you know, back at that time, I was a law student and I was working part-time at a law firm. And I just had this, you know, urge or feeling to start my own business. I wanted to be location independent. I wanted to do my own thing, but I had like no clue what I had to offer, right? So I joined B-School completely clueless. And actually what happened was that I just felt like, okay, I need to put myself out there and just offer something. And I had gone through coach training when I was 19. And so when I did B-School, I was about 24 at the time. And I figured, okay, you know, I'm just gonna offer basically coaching sessions for people who are just starting out and don't know what to do. So it was like, we teach what we most need to learn, you know, that type of thing. And I had just put out a post in the B-School group in the community on Facebook, and I've gotten a few responses. And the first person I ever talked to before jumping on the call with her, I obviously looked at her website. And I just started noticing all these things, you know, tweaks she could make and like, how she could improve her sign-up rates if she just like changed a couple words around and all of that. So I ended up writing all of this down. And when I jumped on the call with her, I was like, you know, hi, I noticed all these things. And I know you never asked me to do that, but are you interested in, you know, what I have to say about your website? And luckily she was. So I gave her all that input. She came back to me like two weeks later my sign-up rate has tripled just from implementing a few small tweaks, according to what you told me. And, you know, take a hint. <laughs> and what was most important for me, though, was that I felt like, well, it came to me very easily. It was fun, you know, kind of like felt natural. And at the time, I didn't even know what copywriting was. I didn't even know that was a thing, right? And then I started doing that with more clients for free. 
And eventually I realized, okay, I'm, I'm onto something, right? And I didn't even have a website. I didn't have training or anything. I just kind of like went with the flow. And long story short, just from that, I started, you know, through word of mouth, attracting a lot of clients. And then this lady came to me, an Australian woman, and she was like, Hey, can you write my website copy? <laughs> you know, and I was like, so amazed because like I said, I didn't even have a website. I had never written anything for anyone, but of course, you know, I said yes. And that was like my first quote unquote big paying client. You know, I did it for like a thousand bucks or something. And that is the short version of how I ended up being a copywriter. Hannah, you know, you talk about how word of mouth really got you started. Can we talk a little bit more about that? Because there are so many copywriters out there who get that first client and then they struggle to find the second or, you know, they see a little burst of activity at the very beginning of their business. But once they get through all of their network, suddenly they really struggle to find clients. So were there things that you were doing to help spread the word of mouth or are there things that copywriters can do as they get started to make that kind of buzz happen? Absolutely. Yes. That's a great question. And, you know, looking back now, it's been five years, more than five years since that moment. I guess in a way I was very blessed and lucky because I have been fully booked, you know, basically throughout my online business career as a copywriter. But I guess, you know, obviously one thing to do is just like deliver great work. And I also just, I genuinely care about my clients. Like I always put a lot of time and effort into getting to know them and building a relationship. And I think that has just really helped me. And also I did go to some networking events or just events, you know, like for example, I went to A-Fest. I don't know if you guys know that it's an event slash party type of thing hosted by Mind Valley. So just, you know, hanging out there, meeting amazing people. I didn't necessarily pitch myself. It's just really not my style. And I also was never really looking for clients like that, but just through genuinely building relationships and being curious, being interested in people, getting to know them, it has helped me a lot. And eventually, you know, I ended up working for Mind Valley for a while, you know, and it was a huge client and that was amazing. And then they have a big network, you know, so it was kind of like a ripple effect. I don't know if that's like a tip at all. <laughs> it's not like I did anything in particular or actually didn't ask people to recommend me or anything like that. It's sort of just like, happened organically, I would say. But yeah, I think delivering great work is definitely a good one. And just following up with people, you know, it's not like, okay, I sent off my sales page and we're done. Like you can just be a friendly, nice human being and check in with people, see how it's going, you know, if there's anything else that you can help them with, even if they don't need anything else. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I'm wondering too, you know, you mentioned this was about five years ago when you really jumped into this space. A lot has changed in five years too. So what are some mistakes that you see copywriters making today, especially the copywriters you're, you're coaching or mentoring or that you've just observed online? What mistakes are they making that are holding them back from building that momentum that you were able to build to be fully booked? You know, I don't, I don't even know if I know that many copywriters, but yes, I've been mentoring a lot of people. And from what I feel is that a lot of people, especially when they're new, they don't really trust themselves so much. They don't really trust their own intuition, their own style, you know? So it's kind of like you end up looking outside and you end up looking at all these other people, you know? And of course, 
naturally you want to learn from others, right? And it's also totally normal to, to be inspired by someone you admire in the copywriting field and this and that. But I think it's really important that, you know, if you want to stand out and if you want to get noticed to really trust yourself and stay true to who you are, like that is definitely something that has served me well because of course there were also people that I admired, especially from the start. And I have probably been, you know, publicly compared to others and you know I've gotten some nasty comments as well that I'm too close to this person or whatever but at the end of the day I always infuse a lot of my personality at least into you know my own blog and all the content that I put out there for myself and that just made me stand out you know people resonate with that but it does take courage to do that, right? And I'm not saying that you have to be the loudest or that you have to have a crazy personality and curse a lot. It doesn't matter. I think it's like you just need to be in alignment with who you are, right? And that will automatically help you stand out and attract amazing people. But when you're always, you know, holding back a little bit and you're not really fully showing up as who you are, then it's much harder to be noticed, right? Yeah, let's dive into that just a little bit deeper because I think, you know, it's really easy for people to say, Hey, be true to who you are. But then, you know, when we sit down to write our own websites or our about pages or even, you know, talk about ourselves, we get caught up in the thing that we should be or we hold back. And so when you work with your clients, you know, to do something like an about page, how do you pull that true to yourself personality out so that you can put it on full display? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's not always the easiest. And it also depends a lot on the client, right? But the process that I've sort of developed for myself that I found, you know, to work very well is whatever I write, I insist on having at least a one hour call, you know, most of the time, it will be more like 90 minutes, sometimes even two hours. And I just ask questions till the cows come home. I mean, I'm sure most good copywriters will do that. But I actually ask a lot of personal questions as well. And I also really listen to not just what the person says, but also how they say it. You know, I'm interested in everything they do in their hobbies in their kids names in their, you know, astrological chart, whatever, like really getting to know a person at a deep, deep level. And then also asking them some things that, you know, they might not be proud of or, you know, guilty pleasures and stuff. I know that's also not like reinventing the wheel, right? But really understanding that person. And then I think it's important to ask them like what they struggle with, you know, when they try to write their own copy, because most clients will come to you because it's hard for them, right? Sure. Some of them just need to outsource because they don't have time, but most of them like find it hard to bring out the best version of themselves. So asking questions like, what would you like to be more of or something, you know, I always ask, like, what do you love about yourself, you know, and then you find out really interesting things. And sometimes you can see that, for example, someone loves about themselves that they're really funny, but that's nowhere within their brand, within their writing, you know, and then you can integrate more of that. But I, I really feel like the most important thing actually is the prep work and really, really getting to know the person and just asking questions, even if it makes you look weird or insane. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And do you have a structure for your about pages for your own about page? And when you work with clients that helps you take all of that research from those interviews, and then just kind of lay it out easily on the page 
Yes and no. So I do have a structure, but especially lately, I've also started to just mix it up a little bit because I also feel like the landscape is changing a little bit or has been changing over the last couple of years. And I think what's really interesting or also exciting for me to work with are just amazing stories, right? So that's definitely something that I would recommend that, you know, everyone ask their clients about just like, what are some fun stories? What are some very, very vulnerable stories? Or like a good question to ask is also, you know, if I really knew you, I would know that, you know, like just going deeper than that. And I know I'm sort of still answering your previous question, but when you can pull out like really cool stories, I found it interesting to write about pages that start in the middle of a story. Like it's very attention grabbing, you know, it's very engaging especially if it relates to the actual problem that your client is solving for their clients. So for example, I just did one and it was about this guy, let's say he does, you know, spiritual work. He's a spiritual teacher and mentor, and he used to be a bassoonist in one of the world's best orchestras. So I started his about page right in the middle of that moment where he said, you know, it was Christmas Eve or something. And he was sitting there, you know, in this orchestra and it was like broadcasted live on international TV. And he just had this epiphany of like, oh my God, you know, what am I doing with my life? I'm completely like not on the right path. And this is what he helps people with, right? Is to find their path in life, you know, live your purpose, all that stuff. But all this we've heard a gazillion times, right? So if you can lead with an exciting, engaging and attention grabbing story like that, I think that's a very interesting way to start an about page. And then I would just go into the usual process of like, you know, okay, this is what I help you with and talking a little bit more about the journey, but also having it relate back to the reader, the actual client. I always say that's like my platinum rule for about pages is start with them unless you're like already, you know, you're like Beyonce or someone super famous and well-known in all the industries already, nobody really cares about people they don't know, right? Like if your about page starts with like, hi, my name is blah, blah, and I help you do this. It's like eh, a little bit yawn, you know? So say something that's interesting to the reader, grab their attention, speak to them, you know, pick them up from where they're at. And then, you know, like reciprocity right like then later on you can talk about yourself and how you can help them you being the client right and you know maybe why what qualifies them and all of that but I really don't think people are too interested in anyone's credentials or no one wants to read an about page that's like oh look at me I'm so good at this rah 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 doesn't really resonate (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned that the landscape is changing. So I know you've been writing copy for five years. You've seen a lot of changes in the online marketing space. Can you talk a little bit more about how the landscape has changed and maybe something that was working before that's no longer working and is relevant to copywriters because we really need to know how it's changed in order to write effective copy? Totally. Yeah, that's actually a really exciting topic for me to talk about. But it's also like my personal perception, right? I don't mean to step on anybody's toes, but I feel like, you know, I feel like the super old school approach that can be very harsh, you know, and sort of like masculine in its energy doesn't really work that well. Like I found with a lot of clients that when you sort of just like throw pain points into people's faces, it's almost like a turn off. Like people 
can smell marketing from a mile away by now, right? There's so much of it everywhere. Like we're literally being bombarded with it. So I really feel like a more personal, more vulnerable approach just works so much better. Of course, it depends on your industry and what you, what you're selling and everything. But I work with a lot of, let's call them solopreneurs, right? Like I also work with like the huge, you know, a hundred million dollar companies, but even then they would have one person that is leading the program that they're selling. So if there's that one person putting out an offer, I feel like it's much better if this person shows up as a vulnerable leader. I feel, you know, people don't really want those perfect, flawless, look at me, I've done it all right leaders anymore. Well, they can connect much more with someone who actually opens up, you know, and again, is vulnerable and shares their own story. Like I've written a Facebook ad a couple weeks ago and like it's doing so well, you know, and it's about, well, let's say loving your own body. Okay. In a nutshell. And if I would have started this with like, just, you know, like, ah, do you feel uncomfortable in your body? And maybe, you know, would you like to lose some weight? You know, that kind of stuff. Like, it would have been completely different, but I started it by telling the story. And of course, it always has to be true and in integrity, right? But I started it with like, I used to hate my own body for years. I struggled with, you know, self-hatred and just body shame and rejection and blah, blah, blah. Telling that story. And in a way, you know, this is still me speaking to the person's pain points, but instead of this sort of like in your face approach, especially here, you know, it's kind of an intimate and already vulnerable topic, but packaging the pain points into a story just makes it so much easier for people to hear and then to open up and to actually listen and take action, right? Whereas the sort of hardcore pain point, harsh approach can be quite a turnoff, I think. And I know that wasn't the case a couple of years ago. Do you know what I mean? Am I making sense? Yeah, I think you're making total sense for sure. So Hannah, I want to ask you about what your business is like today, where you're finding clients, the kinds of clients that you're working with and the types of projects that you do. Will you talk a little bit about that? Yes, of course. So I guess I'm still in the transition period. How I started the transition is I just decided that I actually really enjoy teaching and I love having conversations with people and supporting them in that way. So that was kind of like what moved me to offer that as well. And then really the first thing I did was I just sent two emails to my list and I said that I'm opening up one-on-one spots, which I haven't done in a very long time. And that was true. And I offered a a three-month coaching program one-on-one And while I wanted to sell three, ended up getting four people, which is amazing. So that was quite easy, but that's because I already had a list and I already had a community. But I have to say, I wasn't so sure if anyone was going to take me up on that because in my head, you know, I was quote unquote, just the copywriter. So I didn't actually know if people would trust me with more than that. But then again, you know, I went through co-training when I was 19 and I've been working with so many people over the last five years. And that's the beauty about copywriting as well. Like it goes so deep into somebody else's business, right? That you, you learn so much and 
especially working with big companies and like, you know, we've done a launch that did close to like $4 million. And then I do like small launches, you know, with the entrepreneur next door. So I've seen so many different ways to do business and to launch and to build funnels and, and all of that, that I guess it was just a mindset shift that I had to make, you know, that yes, I am qualified to do that and to kind of like go to a bit of a higher level. And now I'm actually going to do a webinar. I love doing webinars. I just, I guess I didn't give myself permission to do a lot of them <laughs> over the last years also because I'm kind of like always busy with client work. So I have to start saying saying no <laughs> to some writing clients that I can focus more on that. So I'm just going to do some webinars. You know, I have to get over myself and start doing some Facebook lives and, you know, put myself out there more to get some new clients just for the basically coaching. And I also really, really want to do like a live group program. And then in the future, I'm like, I haven't told anyone this. Well, just like my friends, I would really love to do retreats because I travel so much anyways, and I get to see so much of the world, which is amazing. I would love, you know, to share that with others. And so far, I've only spoken at other people's retreats, but I would just like love to create one of my own. And for writing clients, I know this is not going to be the most satisfying answer, but <laughs> at this point, like, I really don't have to do anything to get them. Honestly, like, I know it's not like, oh my God, amazing tip, Hannah, <laughs> but it's like, this is the truth. <laughs> I'm at a point where I've, you know, built my business and my reputation so that I can be fully booked with writing clients just through word of mouth, really. So it sounds like you, you're in the transition really from the copywriting client work to really moving potentially fully into the coaching, teaching space. And you're kind of in the middle right now. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. Okay. So, but yeah, I love your point about copywriters. We learn so much. I think it's easy to forget as copywriters and to think, oh, we just write words and sometimes they sell things, but we get to see behind, look under the hood of these huge businesses, smaller businesses to see what's working and what's not. And those skills and the expertise, we can turn into something else along the way. And I think it's easy to forget that we we have that expertise beyond just the copywriting. So I'd love to hear just more about how you've been able to make this mindset shift, especially since you're in it right now. Like you clearly have worked and shifted your mindset to get to this point where you're coaching and mentoring now, but it sounds like you're still working on it even to just kind of jump into the webinar space and then eventually get to, you know, hosting retreats. Is there anything you're actively doing or working on to help you along the way? Because I know, I know it's not easy to make those shifts. Yes, that's a great question. Well, I think you're never really there, right? Like we're always a work in progress, but it's amazing if we at least have the awareness to say, okay, you know, my mindset is holding me back. And yeah, especially like Facebook lives for me is such a weird thing. It's like, <laughs> get over it already. Like, why aren't you doing it? It's so ridiculous because for me, I actually, I actually love it. Like I love doing webinars. Like I love talking. Like I'm not that nervous. You know, I feel like you can just put me in front of an audience and I can talk for days. You know, that's really not my problem, but there's still something. It's just like, why am I not doing it? You know, and. I have all these excuses that come up in my head, you know, and it's like, it's just major, major resistance. So one of my tools, and maybe that's helpful for a lot of people on this podcast, because, you know, we're all writers, is my journal. Everybody who knows me knows I'm the journaling freak. I really suck at being consistent with anything except the journaling. It's like, 
my daily practice, you know, it kind of like grounds me, helps me to get focused. You know, I can do like a brain dump in the morning, get everything out of my head. So it's kind of like a cleanse and a release. And I can also use it to, you know, support myself in making those mindset shifts. Like I can write down good things, you know, obviously you can write down gratitude. I can remind myself of successes and, and things I've done well, you know, because it's easy to sit there and think like, oh my God, I can't do it. And who am I to do this? And who's even going to want to listen to me talk for 60 minutes or something. And then I feel like it really helps to just write down, you know, successes, things you've done well, like we need to remind ourselves of that. It's like, so, so easy to forget, you know, and I can be like, okay, well, I've already done webinars where I had like, 300 people sign up the first time, even though I had no idea what I was doing. And it went well, and people even bought stuff, you know, like, great, okay, so I can do it again, right? Or like, yeah, just kind of like, use the journal to get into a dialogue with yourself, write down the fears that are holding you back that are keeping you stuck, like get really, really honest with yourself, you know, for me, it's like my little woo woo tool. And it just helps me a lot to get over myself, really. <laughs> hey, we're just jumping into the show today to tell you a little bit more about the Copywriter Underground. Rob, what do you like best about this membership? So this membership community is full of copywriters that are investing in their businesses and taking what they do seriously. Everything is focused around three ideas, copywriting and getting better at the craft that we all do, marketing and getting in front of the right customers so that you can charge more and earn more, and also mindset so that you can get out of your head and focus on the things that will help you be successful at what we do. There's a private Facebook group for the members of the community, and we also send out a monthly newsletter that's full of advice, again, on those three areas, copywriting, marketing, and mindset, things that you can mark up and you know tear out, put them in your file, save them for whatever, and it's not going to get lost in your email inbox. Carol, what do you like about the Copywriter Underground? So I, I love the monthly hot seat calls where our members have a chance to sit in the hot seat and ask a big question or get ideas or talk through a challenge in their business because we all learn from those, those situations. And then I also feel like the templates we include in the membership are valuable because who wants to reinvent the wheel? And Rob and I end up sharing a lot of the templates and resources we use in our own businesses. So I would definitely want to grab those. So if you are interested in joining a community of copywriters that are investing in their business and in themselves and trying to do more, get more clients, earn more money consistently, go to thecopywriterunderground.com to learn more. Now back to the program. So Hannah, if somebody wants to start journaling, you know, what are some things that they could do? So, you know, full disclosure here, I think I'm a terrible journaler, you know, and I think that, you know, I could probably benefit from this, but I imagine myself sitting down and my journal is going to be something like, dear diary, I had eggs for breakfast. The mailman didn't bring anything today. Like, you know, sort of useless. So what are some tips for getting started as a journaler and using that to really be effective in moving ourselves forward? How about you have to submit your journal entries to me every day, Rob, so I can read them. Yeah, that's going to make it so much worse. It's like, dear diary, Kira was mean to me again today. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Yeah. And, but you know what? This, I get this quite a lot. And 
A journal doesn't necessarily mean a diary, right? <laughs> and if you want to go on and be like, hey, dear diary, today I bought myself flowers, like that's cool, you know, and you can do that. But, you know, for example, so this is like a really deep personal look into my diary and it changes all the time, but I start every day. Okay. I write down the date, right? And then I draw a little heart. I don't know why. And then I write every day the same thing. I expect miracles. That's kind of like my thing. I have that tattooed. Ooh, I like that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's like my only tattoo that I have. It's on my ankle and it says expect miracles because I think that's a good way to look at life, you know, and it's a good way to start the day, right? So you can have like a little sort of anchor or a sentence or something that just makes you feel good. You know, like I like to journal in the morning. So it's a great opportunity to make a conscious choice of like, how do I want to start my day? Right. And then, like I said, you know, there's many things you can do. Like you can just do a brain dump. You can write down anything. Like even if it's like, yeah, I just made eggs, you know, I don't know what to say. This is stupid, blah, blah, blah. Okay. You can do that if you, if you, if you want to, but then you <laughs> yeah. can also like support yourself a little bit more. And I think gratitude is always such a good thing. And for example, this morning I was having a bit of a hard time. I was like, okay. Oh, yeah, I actually said, oh, I'm so grateful that I have this, you know, exciting podcast interview today. And then I was like, yeah, what else? I don't know. And then, <laughs> so I don't force myself, right? So then I was like, okay, actually, I'm really in my head about this webinar because I'm going to do a webinar. And then I just start writing down my thoughts. I was like, well, maybe it's stupid to do Facebook ads that lead to the webinar. Maybe I should have like, you know, a PDF first because I think it's cheaper. Mm, I don't know. Got to talk to my Facebook ads person. And then somewhere in the middle, it stops, you know, so that wasn't such a glamorous journal entry admittedly. But, you know, it's also nice, like if you're the kind of person who wants to do affirmations or get into doing affirmations and you feel weird saying them out loud or whatever, but you do want to, you know, reprogram your subconscious mind because that's the sucker that runs you, right? Write them down. Like for me, it's nice. I like to write it down sometimes, like, you know, I don't know, write about money or something, you know, or I have one that's kind of like, you know, it is safe for me to be focused and grounded because I'm all over the place, right? And I think I feel like a lot of creative people can be very scattered, right? And even if you work for a lot of different clients and, you know, you have to wear so many different hats in your own business and, you know, maybe you can relate and you're like me and it's kind of like hard to get focused and grounded, but you also really need it, right? Because you're running a business and you need to be a little bit disciplined. So I just kind of like say that to myself, right? Or then, like I said, I think a really beautiful and actually very valuable thing to do is write down a couple of things that you did well. You know, it could be the same as your gratitude, but if you actually write down something that you did well, it kind of like creates more of that, right? And even if it's just like, I don't know, my hair looks nice today, or yay, I worked out, or I don't know, didn't drink that beer, you know, something that you did well, just to give yourself some love, you know, we could all use that. <laughs> Christy Fanton talked about journaling and how that's helped her. And I think it was episode 106, or I'm just making up that number, but in Christy's interview and how it's really helped her along the way. So I think it's something that I need to work on as well. Rob, I think we should both commit to doing it and we don't have to share the journal entries, but we should both commit to doing it every day, right? 
No. Well, I mean, the secret is that I, I don't really journal, but I definitely write down some things every morning to like track certain things. Like I always track like what exercise I did. I track some of the stuff that I read in the mornings. Just, you know, I make some notes and I do every day. I write down one thing that I'm grateful for. So like in some ways that's journaling, but I could probably take it to a whole other level. Like what you're talking about, Hannah, and really trying to, you know, use that as creative time to create product ideas or, you know, to think through the things that I'm doing in a more thoughtful way. So, so I'm not sure that I really journal the way journaling is done. I just track some behaviors that, you know, that I have every day. So maybe I've made a start, but (laughs) yeah, maybe I, I, (laughs) <laughs> I could probably do a little bit better. So. Yeah, no, I think I put too much pressure on myself because I, I want to write down everything that's happening in my life so I can remember it because I'm I'm sure that I'm going to lose my memory by the age of 70. So I think I put too much pressure on myself <laughs> to make it into something bigger. But Hannah, what you're saying is basically like, don't judge it, just do it, just see how, you know, see what comes out and and don't judge the words that you're writing. So, all right, I want to pivot and talk about travel because that's what originally attracted me to your Instagram feed and just following your travels from afar. So how have you structured your business so that you can travel? I mean, specifically thinking about any copywriters that are listening and want to travel more, what can we do to do more of that? Yes, great question. Great topic. Well, I really don't have like a, you know, this is the answer, right? But it definitely is possible to travel full time, you know, and run a successful business. I've been doing it for more than four years. Because I think it's easy to look at Instagram and see all the cool digital nomad people and they post their fancy pictures, you know, and maybe, oh. Yeah, you've got great pictures, by the way. Uh, They're so great. Thanks. Yeah, see, I'm one of those <laughs> annoying people. No. Right, you're one of those people. <laughs> no, but then there's this guy, I forgot his name. He's like, I was in the pool with the laptop, right? And I'm like, yeah, okay, dude. But <laughs> seriously, but <laughs> bless him. My point is like, A lot of people make it look very, very easy and very glamorous and, you know, oh, yay, the jet set life. But what I found to be true, you know, after doing this for four years is that if this is something that you want, then you need to be willing to basically have twice the discipline sometimes, right? Because you know, it's going to be so tempting, like whatever, you're in Bali and everyone's going to the beach party, but you have stuff to write. Like, what are you going to choose? You know, so I feel like it takes twice the discipline because you have to be aware of the fact that you're going to have to say no to certain things, even though it's so tempting and it's so amazing and you only want to travel. But sometimes you just have to lock yourself up in a room, turn on the AC, you know, close the blinds and just put in the work. And I know definitely that's been kind of challenging for me. And then of course, you know, if you have a lot of client calls, you need to know where your people are at, right? For me, it doesn't even matter because I literally have people spread out all across the globe. So getting on calls, like basically, yeah, from morning to evening, I could potentially have calls, but there's certain destinations where it's just a little bit harder to talk to people. Like I spent a month in New Zealand you know, that was, it was really annoying because I always had to either get up really early or stay up very late because I have a lot of people in the US, for example, and, and the time zones don't match, stuff like that. You just need to take it into consideration. And if you're running group programs, for example, like I made that mistake last year, I launched a course in like February, I think a week or so before I went to Thailand. 
And then, you know, it's possible, right? But when you're traveling around and the internet is not as reliable, it can be harder to do your webinars. You know, it can be harder to host bigger group calls and sessions and all of that. But honestly, when you have writing clients and you just need to be creative and you just need to, you know, have some peace and quiet and get some stuff done, it's so possible and it's so easy. I mean... I don't know how most people write for me. The only thing is like, if there's too much noise or talking, like basically words distract me from writing. So I just need, like, I can't stay at a hostel and sleep in the dorm. Like I need to have quiet space, semi good internet to do the writing only. And really that's, that's all I need. So I didn't even have to have any amazing systems or structures in place, especially, you know, at the time where I was writing for my clients, I just had to have the discipline <laughs> to say no to certain things um, and, you know, stick to my writing schedule, make sure I show up, I deliver on time, I deliver great work. And that's basically it. So Hannah, in addition to all of this travel, you also speak, I think, seven, seven and a half languages. <laughs> that's, does, does that give you an advantage as a copywriter? Does it help you see language in a different way? That's an interesting question. It actually does. I mean, I do most of my work in English, but I don't I actually made a decision like I don't like writing in German. So I only write for others in English, but I do a lot of consulting and support in German. I've also done some in some other languages, <laughs> but I'm not like fluent in all of those. Right. So it is very interesting because, you know, English is not my first language. That's actually something that really held me back in the beginning as a copywriter because I thought, you know, who's going to want to pay me money to write stuff in English when they're native speakers and I'm not until I, you know, figured out and nobody cared, you know, as long as the copy was good. But definitely, like, it's so interesting, especially with German. A lot of people in the German speaking industries, they come to me and they're just like, man, you know, German is so hard, like everything sounds so lame and English is so much more dynamic and, you know, fresh. And it is very, very different. Like if I were to translate whatever a sales page from English to German, you couldn't use it like that. You know what I mean? Like languages are so completely different, you know, it has a different feel to it when you say something in German and you actually need to really, really adapt. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it totally makes sense. And I think that's Maybe why I'm asking, because it seems like, you know, being able to look at language from a different perspective might, you know, spur ideas or help you frame things in different ways that, you know, those of us who really only speak one language or maybe two, you know, really don't get that kind of a perspective that you might have. Yeah, no, it totally does. But honestly, often it's like in a painful way where you're like trying to say something in one language and you're like, oh man, I wish I could just say it in that language because it sounds so much better or it feels so much better or something like that. But I guess that's just because yeah. German is my first language. <laughs> so I want to ask you more questions about traveling. So I don't know if there's a typical month, but even if you look at you know the past month or the month ahead, how do you kind of stage your month? So you're traveling, is it just like one destination to the next destination? Or do you go back to a home base for three weeks and travel for a week? What does that usually look like for you? Yeah, that's an interesting question too. And that's also changed a lot over the years because at first I was all like, you know, I started my business while I was still studying law and I did finish my master's degree 
at the same time as I started really going full time in my business. So I was just so ready to get out, right? <laughs> so I just went crazy. I sold my car, I rented out my place, packed my life into two suitcases, and I took off. And at that time, I was a little bit insane. Like I was like going from places to places all the time. Like I had so many flights, I had so many frequent flyer miles, like it was insane. And it was fun. And it was exciting and amazing. But it was really hard to get focused and grounded, right? This is something I already mentioned before. And all the crazy travel didn't really make it easier, right? So I guess I've calmed down a bit over the years. So I'm not like constantly moving around anymore. I actually now really prefer to go somewhere and kind of like set up camp for a while. Like this year, for example, I started my year in Costa Rica. Like I went there last December, spent New Year's Eve, blah, blah, blah. And I actually do have a home base in Vienna again, which I didn't have for almost two years. But then I got injured in New Zealand. And then I realized it really sucks if you can't walk and you're sleeping on a couch somewhere, you know? So, so I was like, nah, screw it. I'm renting a place and I'm willing to pay the money. And of course, you know, my business... The year after that, you know, I, I already hit six figures and everything. So I was like, okay, I can afford that, right? And I'm willing to pay money just to have the security of a home base that I could come back to if I wanted to, right? Like wherever I am in the world within whatever, sleep in my own bed. So that gives me peace of mind. So yes, yeah, so I was in Costa Rica. Then I came to Vienna for a little bit. Then I went to Brazil for like two, three months. Then I came back. Then I went to Croatia for like a month. Now I'm here in Europe. Now I just did a few, you know, smaller Europe trips. I don't know, went to Budapest, actually went back to Croatia. And now I'm trying to decide where to go for winter because I hate it and I just cannot stand the cold. So I don't know why I've been so stuck, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Bali. Then I was like, nah, Mexico, maybe Guatemala. What about Hawaii? Like it's a luxury problem, but it can get very overwhelming if you can go anywhere in the world. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to decide that, but I definitely have found it much more beneficial to not move around so much. You know, I had times when within one month I would go from LA to France, back to Vienna, then to Sweden, then to Croatia, then back to Vienna, to New Zealand, and then all the way back again to LA. Like, it's just too much, you know? <laughs> so of all of the places that you've been, Hannah, this is probably an impossible question to answer, but <laughs> what is your favorite and what is also the best place to set up camp and work? That's such a hard question. Well, for me personally, I'm a beach girl. I love the heat. I love the ocean, love the jungle. So I just love Costa Rica. And I also love Spanish. So Costa Rica, you know, I mean, there's a reason why there's so many people from all over the world that go to Costa Rica because it's a Latin American country, but it's pretty safe. You know, it's like 90% coast. It's so beautiful. Like you can, you have amazing sunsets, awesome food, nice people. You can surf, you can hike, you can do yoga. You know, there's that community of expats there. It's a really, really great place, but it's also a little bit more exive. One of my other favorite countries is actually Colombia. Colombia is much cheaper. It's the most biodiverse country, maybe, or in the top three, doesn't matter the friendliest people in the world. And 
Medellin is like a big hub for digital nomads. You know, the internet is good. It is quite safe-ish, you know, if you follow certain rules, if you're kind of like street smart. It's such a beautiful country. It has the mountains. It has the beach and the coast, like the Caribbean coast is insane. It's just like, and the culture, you know, it has a really rich culture. You can dance salsa, you can go to coffee farms. And it's just like, I really, really love Colombia. And it's a great place to stay for a while. If you don't have a huge budget, and if you also want to connect with some other digital nomads and kind of like, you know, be a part of that community, global community, it's great. So maybe we do our next retreat in Colombia, Kira. Yeah, do I don't it. know. I'm, I'm drawn yeah. to Costa Rica, definitely. So this is very tempting. Okay, so you mentioned on your website that you have a vision board. What is currently on your vision board that you're willing to share with us? <laughs> you ask all the good questions. Well, I actually am creating a new vision board because I looked at mine and I was like, well, I have almost all of that except check yeah except like the boho <laughs> check, check, beach check. wedding didn't happen yet and like <laughs> I'm not driving an escalade but that's okay <laughs> so it's actually a really great question I was you know I was thinking about that the other day I was like well what are my next goals and I really thought about it you know in relation to my why right it's like why do I want to go to that next level and, you know, teach at a, at a higher level and to a bigger audience and all of that. And I guess what I would have to put on my vision board, like materially speaking right now is that I really want to buy a house for my mom because my mom has worked her entire life to pay everything for me. Like she loves gardening and that's all she ever wanted is a piece of land to call her own where she can grow fruit and veg and, you know, cook chutneys and, and whatever. But yeah, she's not working anymore. And that's kind of like, you know, a big vision of mine to just buy a house for my mom and like give back to her in that way. So what's next for you, Hannah, in what you're doing in your career? What's the next big Another thing? great question. I'm like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, I got to come out of the spiritual closet a little bit because over the years I've learned so much and I feel like I really have an opportunity to integrate some of those, I don't even like the word spiritual, you know, but some, some conscious and aware concepts and ideas of like how the universe works and things that just have made my life so much better and easier, you know, how I feel about myself, my relationships with others. And of course, in business and also financially, and I feel like, you know, with my background, even like all the way back, you know, as a lawyer, which gave me a very sort of analytical brain and my personality and, you know, everything that I've experienced and seen over the years, I feel like I could really help people understand some of those concepts and just present them, you know, in kind of like a tangible, fun way, integrate them into business. But I've been having a lot of resistance. So that's why I said I need to come out of the closet a little bit. I mean, it's scary, you know, people are judgy and all of that. But I know it's not, it's it's not a reason to not do it. And it won't hold me back. So I've been working on that a little bit. And the second big thing that I want to integrate is travel, right? Like, it's so obvious. I was like, why am I not doing that? So I would really, or I will <laughs> start, I just want to build a community, you know, of people who are also interested in traveling or 
who already are digital nomads and kind of like bring those people together a little bit. You know, when I said that I want to do retreats, I'm thinking about those people and just like getting a bunch of really cool human beings, you know, <laughs> together in one of the amazing places in the world and working together, creating amazing things, helping, supporting each other. I think that's one of the best feelings in the world. So I guess, fingers crossed, that's where I'm going. Great. Well, let us know when you've lined up your retreat locations <laughs> yes. and dates so we can sign up. And hopefully you can make it to New York in March for our event if you are able to Ooh. fly here. So if anyone wants to find you in the meantime, ask you questions or just reach out to you, where should they go? Yeah, I was quote unquote afraid you were going to ask that because I took my website down because I'm, you know, it's old and I'm doing everything new. But I guess the best way to connect with me is Instagram. So I'm at Hannah Mang, just, you know, my name all together and the same on Facebook. So that's where I'm at. Instagram is full of, you know, fancy travel pics <laughs> and can kind of like follow me wherever I am on this planet. And I always love to meet up with cool people, you know. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Hannah, for your time and for sharing so much with us. Thanks, Hannah. Thank you, guys. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode. Mm-hmm.